Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. I'm Nate Ants Tommaso here with Evan Knowles. How you doing, man? Doing well. We have a great episode coming up. I'm super excited for this one. We recorded a few days ago. We had a good conversation with our friend Allie Williams. I love that conversation, Evan. How did you feel about it? Yeah, it was great. Uh, Allie's a great person. Um, she's doing a lot of awesome things uh, along the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial route. Uh, she's been through a lot of great experiences. Uh, so we talked about those and a lot of those experiences revolve around risk, which is you know a major part of being an entrepreneur. So it's a great episode to listen to uh, if you want to start your own business or uh, do anything related to um, you know freelance or starting your own business, social media, uh, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really cool situation too because she went to UK. Um, you know, she worked at Fuji. She had done Dance Blue with me. You know, she was very integrated in the Lexington community, and then just kind of took that community and took those skills that she had learned here uh, and went elsewhere and just kind of just grew from there. So it's really cool to kind of see this talent that Lexington built. Absolutely, yeah, and Fuji specifically, a lot of great people come in and out of Fuji, and it's awesome to sit down and speak with a lot of them. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, cool. So that is coming up in a minute. Um, we forgot to kind of plug her during the conversation, and I feel bad about that. So Allie is the founder of the company is like finally getting a brand and it's going to be consumer facing. It is Leia Rising. We'll let her talk about it. Um, won't tell you too much right now. And then go follow her on Instagram. She has a great Instagram. It's at right up your alley. And Allie is spelled A-L-L-E-E. At right up your alley. Go follow her. She's got great content, and she she just kind of gets into all of it here in the podcast. I'm super excited for everybody to hear it. Uh, but first, we have a new way you can hear it. We have a new, I'm going to try to say it without actually saying a name, just a skill. So Alexa, flash briefing. And she didn't listen, of course. Alexa, <laughs> flash briefing. Here's your flash Here we briefing. go. From the Middle Tech Podcast. Oh, that's right. Alexa, stop. We have an Alexa skill now. I'm so excited to do that. Whenever anybody does their flash briefing, they can hear our beautiful voices now. That's right. You can wake up to us first thing in the morning. <laughs> that's what everybody wants is just to hear me and you as they're slowly waking up in bed. back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Once again, my name is Nate Antetomaso, coming at you from Chicago, Illinois. Evan, you are in Lexington. How are you doing, man? Yeah, it's cold. It's cold? Okay. Don't tell me it's cold down there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's cold compared to what it has been. Yeah, it was last week, it was like 80 on Tuesday here, and then by Thursday, it was 45. And I, I don't think I'd ever experienced something like that. I just did not know how to handle it. Big swing. Yeah, especially on the bus. I was wearing my jacket, like my winter jacket. And then you get on the bus and they're blasting the heat and I've never sweated more. I kind of like winter. Uh, at least well, I like fall because uh, yeah. I, I like wearing sweaters and stuff. <laughs> too cold. Big sweater guy. Big sweater guy. Big sweater guy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. I mean, let's just go ahead and uh, and jump right in. Um, we. I'm. I am super excited about the guests this week, and I know you are too, Evan. Um, you know, I, I could introduce her as a lot of things, and, and we'll get to that. But I'm just going to introduce it as our friend, uh, Allie Williams. How you doing? Hey guys. I'm sorry it's so cold there. I'm in sunny Arizona on a porch right now. So oh my god. Soaking it up for you. <laughs> what's the temperature there uh, i don't know i would say like a balmy 72 oh, um, you had to give it a little descriptor exactly i don't even know what that means marketing google it. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for joining us this week we have a lot to talk about um and i know all three of us have known each other for a while um so it was it was just a matter of time before we had you on here absolutely i'm so glad to be here and i can't wait to really dive in Awesome. Well, I mean, let's just kind of give a little bit of background first. Allie, I think we met 
through Dance Blue, correct? Like four or five years ago? Yeah, we did. I interviewed you for a position and we thought you were awesome. So I'll always think of you as <laughs> coordinator Nate. But, that that uh, was not a I setup, everybody, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot it was in the interview. I interviewed for community events coordinator. Exactly. Um, and you killed it. Thank you. Thank you. You're and welcome. How did you guys meet? Uh, so I spoke to uh, Doyle Friskany's class, who we've had on the past on the show. Uh, so he was teaching an entrepreneurship class, uh, and obviously I had been involved in Fuji for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had asked me to come speak to the class, and that's how I, well, that's how I met uh, Allie, and that's how I met you. I'm pretty sure, right, Nate? Yeah, but I think it was a different class, like a different semester. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of the same but, class. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we're all doing awesome stuff, and it just made sense. I guess we all eventually connected. You and those, awesome. you and those speaking engagements, <laughs> you build in your network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love those. Uh, cool. Um, so obviously, I mean, we didn't come out and say, but obviously, Allie went to the University of Kentucky uh, around the same time we did. That's what all these things are um, related to. Um, so, do you kind of want to talk about that first? I guess, and just your college experience. We're talking a lot. Let's let you talk, Allie. Yeah, so uh, go Cats with the <laughs> of Kentucky, always bleed blue. But um, I, I'm from Elizabethtown originally, and so is Evan. And that's E-town? why he went and spoke. Yeah, E-Town represent. Um, yeah, he came and spoke in that class, and I had no idea who he was. And mind you, this is a very small town in Kentucky. So I ran after him after, and I was like, who are you? Yeah, um, And, you know, the rest is history. But I think that is a really great representation of my experience at UK, just being like blown away by people um, who were a lot closer than I realized. And they really built me up. Um, I studied public relations, um, which was an ISC degree in interstrategic communication and then political science. So I was a dual degree and then I got a biology minor randomly. So... Uh, Yeah, Uh, most people don't. It was random. But anyway, so I did that. Um, I was really involved with um, Dance Blue, how we met, as you had mentioned, which is a pediatric oncology um, fundraiser at the university that is unbelievable. So loved that was a part of a sorority. And um, let's see, I worked for Coke, did a lot of things. So college was really, really good to me. And my senior year, I really started to get invested and, and interested in entrepreneurship and the concept as I realized my internships were good, but not great. So mm-hmm. that's where the interest started. I ended up taking that class, which ended up snowballing into me getting a job at Fuji. And that was really when I just dove right on in. I denied or I um, declined a job at Coca-Cola, which had always been my dream job. And I went to Fuji and it was awesome so anyway that is kind of what started it all why did you uh why did you study what you did in in college what was kind of the thinking there yeah so i was in a pre-med track high school um like stem program which is why i have the biology minor so i came in my first year i studied biology and i realized that i preferred um I preferred, I don't know, like history. I, I don't know. I, I think all through college, I liked everything. And that was the problem. So I took a history class, realized I loved it. And I loved the idea of really learning about like the patterns of people. And that led me to political science. And then when I, I got into two law schools, well, a few law schools, but the two law schools I wanted. And when that happened, I wasn't super thrilled. But I was a public relations chair of that thing we mentioned, Dance Blue. And I realized, wait, this is really applicable to what I want to do, which I don't know what that is. But it, I can do it for anything, public relations. So that's when I added that third, um, that third you know, major or, I guess, second major and then my minor. So that's kind of how it all happened. But I was interested in everything. And I, I still yeah. am. I think most entrepreneurs will agree with me. Absolutely. Um, before we move on to talk about Fuji a little bit, um, you said that your senior year you got interested in entrepreneurship. H- how did that happen? Like, I feel like I-, I was a similar way going through college. I started to realize that, you know, startups and entrepreneurship and the idea of creating something is what interested me. How did you discover that yourself? 
Yeah, sorry, you guys went out. I couldn't hear you, but you're, I'm back. Um, <laughs> but I, I got the end of that question. Can you repeat it? Yeah, just like how did you discover that entrepreneurship was something that you were interested in? So when I was interning for Coca-Cola, they gave us tasks. So everything, once you completed a task, you were given a new one and your tasks were ranked. And the entire program was, it was 83 people from across the nation and they were all representing their own universities. And we had a leadership board. So everything you did was worth a point, uh, a number, whatever they gave you. And then number one was promised a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And so enter that, obviously no interest in entrepreneurship at all, interest in being number one. But the freedom that having those different problems presented to me and like having to implement that into a community that I was really passionate about at Kentucky really sparked this interest in like, wait, I'm I'm really good at this. Like, because my results were always very different than the other ambassadors and the other interns. Mm-hmm. And and so it was actually my my corporate um, executives that I like was working under who kind of like spoke it to me like, Ali, you're really good at making something out of nothing. And I was like, oh, OK, well, can I can I just like win this job? <laughs> you know, that was all I was interested in. Um, but as I really got closer to the end and and really got close, like I said, to like. I don't know, stepping into the corporate world, I just realized that wasn't what made me happy. I loved the rush, like I said, of making something out of nothing and trying to um, put puzzle pieces together and, I don't know, please people in a way that they weren't expecting. So, yeah. Awesome. That was a great answer. That was really cool that kind of like the the search for uh, the more corporate job and and the the people at that company are kind of what led you the other way. Yeah. It's really cool that they built you up in that way. I totally agree. And I, I had a, my boss was um, named Cassie and she's amazing. And she's, like I said, an executive um, in strategic partnerships at Coca-Cola corporate. Mm -hmm. And she's the one who ended up sitting me down and saying, you know, you can take this job and you'll like it. But I wish someone had told me to go for it when I was your age. And so I am being that person for you. You should go for it. You are really talented. And so that's really why I ended up doing it. It was this corporate experience um, that actually like kind of showed me like this isn't necessarily what you could be best at. And if you fail, then we're still here. So it was, I mean, such a blessing, just such a blessing. Mm -hmm. Coca-Cola really, really taught me a lot. Yeah. So that's, that's important. So you turned you turned that down. You got the job, but you, you turned it down, um, and you started working at the company that we all worked for. Evan still works for Fuji. How did you make that choice? Yeah. So how did I make that choice? I I think once Cassie had told me that on a call, I was really upset. I was really lost. I was like, but this is, you know, this is an actionable item. I can obtain this. There are deliverables. How in the world am I supposed to become an entrepreneur? I don't even know where to begin with that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I had that, like, I wanted it. I understood why she was saying that, but I didn't know where to start. And I Googled it and Google told me that I should intern at a startup. So I Googled startups in Lexington, Kentucky and Fuji came up and I kid you not, the next day, Evan came and spoke at my class as an employee at Fuji. So that happened. And upon my Googling, I saw that they were interning or they were interviewing for interns in different positions. So I went to the marketing day of that and then ended up joining the team. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't really know it worked like that. I didn't know that you had you know, known about us before that class, but that's awesome. And, and one thing you mentioned was you kind of had that fear before going into it. And I think that's really important for you know, entrepreneurs is that if there's no fear, then it's probably not, uh, you know, worth going into, you know, if, if you should have fear before you make a tough decision like that, uh, because that's what an entrepreneur is. They, they take on risks. They do what everybody else isn't doing. So the fact that you had, you know, that fear, um, you know, I view that as a good thing. And the fact that you, you know, went against it and and did what you were afraid to do is important. And that's, that's, what's going to set you up for success going forward. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I love that. And I think, 
again, one of my mentors always tells me where there's control, you can't capitalize. So you have, like you just said, where there's fear or if you're scared, that's because there's room for growth. So. And then yeah. everybody else is probably scared too, you know? So if, if, if you're scared, you're not the only one. And so if you're the one that, you know, takes on that challenge, then you're the one that's going to win. It's so true. So um, what did you learn at Fuji? One second, actually, Ali, I just, while we were talking about that, that is exactly what you told me when I called you when I started away game. Uh, you were nice enough to to talk on the phone with me for like an hour. Uh, and I think you said something to the effect of like, you can't fly unless you jump off the cliff. Uh, yeah. And that was just so empowering. And I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about now. Like you, you have to be in those, that sense of uncertainty and terror almost to, to grow. Absolutely. I love that you remember that, but yeah, I, of course it's I true. Do. Yeah, it's so true. And, and I think you have to do it continuously every day. Like it's a decision. The cliff is there every day, right? But mm-hmm. it gets easier every time you jump off and then you start to really learn how to, you know, fly with style. So, yeah. And I think there, I think those are two very different things that boil down to the same philosophy. Obviously you can decide I'm going to start a business or I'm going to make this life move or whatever it is. And that's a, that's a huge cliff jump. Um, but it's in those little cliff jumps every day of just putting yourself outside your comfort zone. That's how you grow over time. Exactly. You got to grow comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's the way that, you know, I've heard that said multiple times. Yeah. It's and, so true too. I love that. And I think you're a really good proponent of that just through all the content you put out. Um, but also just like you said, Evan, being comfortable, being un- uncomfortable. You, Ali, you say all the time that, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're doing or you, you could fail or, you know, this thing is not working out perfectly, but that's okay because it's the journey. And that's something I really take, I I take personally from everything that you put out. I love that you take that. And I mean, I think life teaches me that, like I said, over and over and over. And it's so humbling, but it's so motivating when you look at Mm -hmm. it in the right light. So yeah, you're, you're completely right. And I think that again, your failures, um, that uncomfortable feeling, it's good because your failure becomes your success when you're living there every day. So yeah, anyway, so I love that. Awesome. So I just totally hijacked the the flow here <laughs> of everything. Um, we're good. We're good. We're good. That's important stuff to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just thought I had to put that in there because that's why we're here in the first place. Yeah, it reminded me so much about the the cliff jump metaphor, and that really did stick with me. Um, which is a good really segue. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, you helped me a lot, and I, I thanked you then, and I'll, I'll thank you now. But a nice segue. Uh, you jumped off the cliff from Fuji and ended up going out to San Francisco. What happened I there? I did. So I, well, I jumped off two cliffs there. Honestly, I mm-hmm. jumped into like this opportunity to be on a TV show for like women entrepreneurs. That's right. And, I forgot about that. Yeah. And it was awesome. And I think that was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Cause once you get a salary, it's really hard to, to let it go. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was really difficult. And I left, I kind of got like a last minute offer and I had the opportunity to go and, you know, try and make it work and try and, you know, be picked or stay. And so that was, one heck of a pivotal moment for my life and then yes next was san francisco and i think fuji if anything that company taught me that like your mindset is everything in culture in capitalizing on you know sales gains brand strategy anything i mean i i will forever be thankful for that company for the fact that it just like reminded and like instilled that in my heart in like me doing really well and in me failing. So I think um, as I like really jumped those two times into going to San Francisco, Fuji like set me up and like equipped me in some really special ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for around San Francisco, yeah, I like last minute was able to raise money. I had to go fund me and uh, my community really rallied around me and helped me to get to my dream city where I went to an amazing program called Draper University. 
Can you talk at all about the TV show, or are you not allowed to talk about that? No, I'm not allowed to. Uh, and it actually, season two never it never was picked up. It was in Brazil. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> are you on TV in Brazil at all? On Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> huh. What was the name of it? It's called Girl... Oh, crap. Hold on. Ooh. It's on TLC. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only in That's Brazil. Bad. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's fine. It was really cool though, and I still I have like three different girls from that that I stay in pretty close contact with. So, and we only filmed the pilot; like it wasn't picked up to film the season. Oh, okay. So it's just it's not like you were in six episodes. No, the, no. Okay. I was just I just did the pilot, and it just wasn't. They didn't decide to to air it for a second one, so I wasn't mm-hmm. called back. None of us were. Wow. Oh. Well, it's good. I mean, that, that had to be a great experience either way. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. It's actually really funny. I went, filmed the pilot, and then on my way back to Lexington, Evan was on my flight. <laughs> so yeah, that was crazy. Was wearing, I remember that. Yeah, he was wearing a Fuji hat, and we were on a plane in Atlanta, and I was like, is is that Evan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, such oh, a small man. world, guys. I think I was flying back from out west, too. It was either L.A. or uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Draper University. Um, so that's obviously a program of Tim Draper, um, a great VC. Um, everything that you did out there looked so cool. What was that all about? What was it like? It was awesome. Um, it was very much, I think, a common theme in my life you will see is that I love being pitted against other people, like in competition. And not pitted against them. That sounds really aggressive. But like, if you give me a mountain to climb, I will climb it. I might be out of shape, but I will find a way to get up the the mountain. And so Mm -hmm. um, Draper was really awesome. And it, it just, it pushed you in every single way. That is the objective of the course, because they want to say that they're training you to be a CEO. And I think they're really just training you to be the best version of yourself. Um, But they they put you through hell and back in many ways, mentally and physically through things like, um, I don't even know. We had to sell condoms on the street. We had to sell a <laughs> uh, thousand condoms on the street in order to eat. Um, wow. We had to, we did this thing called survival week where they like wake you up and drop you in the wilderness and you have to you're with a Marine Colonel and he just makes your life a living hell <laughs> for four <laughs> days. And, you know, there are just a lot of different things they put you through, but I think the most valuable was definitely um, that no matter how hard the task was, they would never let you give up. Like no matter how many times you failed, it was like, all right, well, it's two in the morning and yeah, you've had three mental breakdowns, but you're not stopping until you got it right because you owe that to yourself. And I think that lesson Though I already had that kind of like mindset, having it reiterated that many times instilled a really, really just consistent spirit in like believing in myself and every entrepreneur needs that. And if you don't have it, it's okay. You know, we all have weak moments, but I I think just learning that over and over is so powerful. So that was definitely my biggest takeaway from Draper. Um, And gosh, I loved it. And the students are from all over the world. We're all not necessarily like competing, you know, one to 43, but you want to do well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're around one of the original VCs in the world and you want him to like your company. You Mm -hmm. want investment. You want, you know, to be the best. And you're with 40 other people who have always been the best. So it's, it's a really, really cool environment. And it was an amazing experience. Yeah. How, how involved is, Tim in the actual program. Tim was around quite a bit. I'm a lot more than I thought he would be because he's him. Yeah. So I think there were a lot of times where I was like, don't you have something better to do than like pull apart my business on this Tuesday afternoon? No. (laughs) Okay, cool. But it was good. I'm sure that he uses that also to network, you know, he's getting some of the best talent, some of the most ambitious people to go through his program. And, you know, if he teaches them correctly, down the road, he could very well be invest, you know, investing in what they do. Oh, uh, yes. I think that makes a ton of sense uh, for, for him to invest his time in that. Um, but what I was going to say about the program overall, and we, 
you know, one thing we like to talk about on the show is, um, you know, how does college prepare people for entrepreneurship and, and for the tech community? Um, and I think the program that you went through, the fact that it was based so heavily on mindset is really important because, um, you know, the more people I talk to within the university and outside of universities, entrepreneurship really can't be taught uh, in their curriculum. Uh, it's really uh, just trial by error, and it's really just, um, you know, failing and experiencing. And the fact that, um, you know, you went through those experiences with Draper, I think, you know, it's going to set you up much better than learning entrepreneurship or even business at a at a college well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Draper absolutely does not compare to college. I I loved college because I loved people and I loved all the opportunities that it put me in a position to like apply for and, and network through. Um, but the day-to-day, like handing me a syllabus does absolutely nothing for me. I think it might actually do like negative things for yeah. my productivity, right? Um, whereas Draper is, like you just said, it's all about mindset and it's all about, you know, um, making something out of nothing and doing it really fast before someone else does because they're going to get the praise and you don't, you know? Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't really compare, but as far as learning entrepreneurship, it gives you so many tools and it does it, like I said, in weird ways, like selling a condom. I, I never in my life could think of a reason why I would ever need to do that until I am selling packages. Like it's my job to make sure that I can provide for my employees at this stage of my life. And now I'm like, oh, well, I, I sold condoms at, you know, this random sex festival. Like, I can sell <laughs> you this this package that's going to make your life easier very easily, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, it's it's a really amazing way to learn entrepreneurship. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. So other than, you know, Tim, uh, did you meet anybody else really cool in the program or, uh, you know, there in San Francisco? Yeah, I... I mean, first of all, my classmates were amazing. I think, I think it, other than like the challenges and really learning a lot about myself through the program being so valuable, being around like-minded people is powerful. And the synergy that comes from it is just, it, you crave it and you don't even know you crave it until you don't have it anymore. And so I, I mean, meeting like my classmates who don't necessarily have a name for themselves yet. Um, they will, and they're some of the like strongest people that I can lean on and they're all over the world. You know, one of my best friends from the program, she lives in Argentina and she's a director for Uber now. She just got brought on. Yeah. So she's, she's integrating Uber in, um, all of Uruguay and Argentina. Um, and so, I mean, she's amazing. Right. And I can call her any day and she not only has seen me at my highest and my lowest, you know, she's, she knows what and who I am and what I can do. So it's just, it's so cool to have people who have seen you that like that and will tell you, you know, exactly what they think, but also can empathize and say, yeah, this is really, this is hard, you know? Um, but it's, I don't know. I just, I can't believe that if I, I would pay seven times what I did to go to Draper to, have that kind of support because being an entrepreneur yeah. is really lonely. So yeah, anyway. that's that makes sense. That's why we work is growing so quickly. Yep, we work exactly. Is, uh, exactly what you described, which is uh, entrepreneurs and, and businesses, small and big, working in the same place, but all uh, you know have an awesome mission, uh, working side by side and, and working in common spaces. Um, and so yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. After working in you know, we work and just working at Fuji in general because Fuji has brought together a lot of awesome people just like yourself and Nate and everybody else. And um, it's important to surround yourself with people that are you know, interested in what you do. I totally agree. And I, I am a member at, at which is, was acquired by WeWork and being able to spend time there, it energizes me so deeply. So those co-working spaces, they know what they're doing. And Absolutely. They're so good. So you're in you're in Arizona now. Uh, what's the story there? How did you end up there from San Francisco? What did you do right after Draper U? Yeah. What's the next chapter? So um, the entire time at Draper, it is it's all coming to like the end pitch day. 
So mm-hmm. it's all this incredible buildup and marathon toward pitch day. And um, anyway, you pitch your final business to a room full of entrepreneurs and accelerators and investors and your classmates, past alumni. And I, I love the business that I came out of it with. Um, and a girl in the program actually asked me to join as my CMO. So we ended up pitching together. And when the program ended, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And I really wanted to stay in San Francisco, but San Francisco is the most expensive city to live in in the mm-hmm. nation. So realistically, it wasn't going to happen if I was going, you can't like scale and pay $4,000 for rent. It just doesn't work that way. Or I, I couldn't find a solution. So the girl that joined my team is from Scottsdale, Arizona. And mm-hmm. she was like, listen, it's a hundred and $29 round trip, t- round trip ticket to SF, you know, 97 to, to LA, um, you know, come here, let's build here and let's go from there. And I fought it, but she was right. And sometimes you have to make those sacrifices in order to really grow the business the right way. So I ended up relocating here and I have been here since the end of January. That's awesome. And the thing about tech is, like, you can start a tech company from just about anywhere. You know, look at Fuji. We All of our clients are in New York or L.A. Um, so as long as, you know, that's the beauty of, of transportation these days. And that's the beauty of tech is it can be started anywhere and you can scale it. But, yeah, it makes sense to be in San Francisco once you get a certain size um, or you have a certain amount of capital. Uh, so, you know, the fact that you went down to Arizona, I think it makes a ton of sense. And the fact that you've had the success you have there makes uh you know sense as well yeah thanks i i completely agree and fuji was a really great model for me to see that as well yeah i mean i mean that's why we the whole reason we have this podcast is to kind of talk about technology in kentucky and in the midwest um and to show just the successes that people are having when you don't have to be along the coast exactly exactly and i will say it it helps to be connected there I would have mm-hmm. not had the success that I've had thus far if I had not gone to Draper and if I had not been in San Francisco and, and grown a network there. But you can build influence anywhere. And I, I'm, my business is built upon that fact, right? Mm-hmm. So, and no matter where you're located, you can do anything. And maybe you have to put in a little extra work, but it's worth it when you're paying, you know, your burn rate is negative almost. <laughs> Yeah. So, so let's talk about that, your business. Um, so what are you doing now? I mean, just kind of get into it. Yeah. So I, um, I work, sorry, I'm trying to think, should I go through, you know, the, the phases of what I did after Draper or what I'm doing and just dive in? Whatever you want. Okay. (laughs) Anything works. So I, after Draper, um, moved down here and Mm. we like the girl, my CMO and I were approached by one of the directors of that program. And he's had four successful exits of a company and uh, of his companies. And so he asked us to join onto his new idea. And some, when you're like left alone by a co-founder, I don't know, you, you don't know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, we decided to stick together and did that. I lasted three months. It's an awesome company. They just secured their seed funding. I am so proud of them, but I definitely was not following my gut on that one. Mm-hmm. So during that time, when I was working on that startup, which is named Sir, and they put uh, entertainment in rideshare vehicles and then advertised through them, I acquired some clients just to do some social media side work, which is very much my talent, just social media strategy growth and um, like ethical influence management. Mm-hmm. So... I started to work with a few different clients and a few turned to a dozen. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I can do this, you know? And also, wait, I need help. So I hired someone. And then from there, I, you know, have hired two other people and I have a contractor as well. And it's been really cool to kind of see what it turned into. And I did it the opposite way, which I think is cool. I, I didn't necessarily have the idea Um, So what it's turned into is I work with women-led and founded companies, and I help them. Usually the starting point is with their social media really, like, 
getting it laid out, getting it automated, getting it um, just well, rep- like as a well representation of their business. But mm-hmm. um, that's just really an entry point. Now I can offer web development, app development, um, strategic, you know, partnerships with other businesses and influencers and beyond. So it's really cool to see how it's grown. And I'm really, really proud of it. And we're actually not consumer facing even yet. Every single client that I have has been word of mouth. So I will be going public um, on not I'm not going public. I'm like, opening. (laughs) that would be cool. IPO? Yeah, I was gonna say IPO in a couple years, I need a little more time. But uh, yeah, no, I'm going to be launching everything consumer facing on December one. So I'm really, really excited. And my team is a gift. They're so awesome. And Fuji taught me that too, culture. I think I said this earlier. Culture is everything. It really mm-hmm. is. And so when you have something that others can believe in and you give them what they need to succeed, like everything just comes together. It really does. Mm-hmm. So that's been really humbling and exciting for me to see on this. And the name of the company is Leia Rising. And you guys are like the first people I'm really telling about it. Hey. So, oh, so, breaking news on Middle Tech. Yeah, <laughs> out. But it's really, it's really awesome to kind of see how that goes. And often your passion, it, it is like, you know, stemming from your interests and things that you just find mm-hmm. yourself doing. And I never would have guessed as a, you know, political science, public relations, bio minor <laughs> person. <laughs> I would have never guessed I'd do what I do, but I really love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when you were at uh, Fuji, you jumped right in. Uh, you were doing PR with us uh, and you immediately got us this awesome PR gig with Fuji around or with uh, Twitter rather with, with was a Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was just awesome that, you know, you straight out um, of college and graduating just jumped right in and uh, started working with one of our close partners, Twitter, to create an awesome, you know, PR um, stunt. Uh, I'm sure you're doing that now. Yeah. And I would have, that was an accident, right? Uh, I mean, it wasn't an accident. I obviously DM'd them, but something I, I got to, we created a Twitter moment during Mother's yeah. Day. It was amazing. And it just kind of fell together. And now my business is stimming completely around that and i actually still keep in in touch with the the lead the brand lead on that account um so there might be some things coming with that actually oh um yeah uh. but it's cool to see how it all comes together yeah the dots in in retrospect is always fun mm-hmm. so when you, you started working with these clients how how did that start like how did you meet your first client how did you start managing their social like you know that, that's such a interesting thing to just get off the ground from a zero to one. How did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I'm a yes girl. So if someone asks (laughs) me if I can do something, I will always say yes. Even if it is complete. I mean, if Elon Musk was like, Hey, do you want to be my COO? Yeah, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, And so as far as that goes, I had a friend who went to Draper as well. He called me one night and he was like, Hey, I have this, lady who like needs a social media manager are you interested and I was like well what does that entail and I I don't know at that point I really didn't know that much about social I knew it enough I mean I've always like loved social media and I've had my hand in it but I I didn't think of myself as capable of that necessarily so anyway I um I was like yeah I mean give me your information and she ended up being this this uh, Olympic gold medal winning tennis professional player. Um, and she lives down the street from me here in Scottsdale. I was like, okay, yeah, wow. you're cool. I'll What's do her that. name? Her name is Bethany Maddox-Sands. She just won the U.S. Open. Oh, wow. And, Casual. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. So she was just dropped into my lap. And, I mean, they were interviewing a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I just met up with her and her husband for coffee. And we totally hit it off. And... I had no idea what I was doing, but I acted like I did. And then I just renewed her for the next year today, actually. So she's been an amazing client to work with and has taught me a lot of what I do now for my other clients. Mm -hmm. And then everyone from there, I just had people that I knew in my network or, you know, word of mouth who 
who were like, oh, this girl named Allie, I don't know what she does exactly because I've never been open about what I did. It's not consumer facing yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But people are like, oh, Allie Williams, she's like, she has something with social media, right? So I just kind of like my, I, I don't know, my mystery kind of served me very well because anything that had to do with social that people in my network knew of were pointing their friends to me. Mm-hmm. And and it ended up being, you know, one of the best referral programs that I could ever have, probably. So really, really cool. Did the mystery aspect of it kind of force you, like we were talking about before, force you out of your comfort zone? Maybe somebody came and they wanted web development, but you hadn't done that before. So now you're doing it. Like, did that kind of grow that way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think... I mean, again, I, I don't think I've said no. I've never said no to any of my clients, every single one of them. If it was a woman aligned with what I believed in and it was, mm-hmm. you know, she was doing something good, which every single woman that I work with is completely killing it. Um, I I mean, what she needed, I was like, I'll figure it out, you know, and I yeah. think I I always say this to them, like we rise together, right? And I am so down to get like in the dirt and like watch 17 YouTube tutorials and figure out everything, you know, that I need in order to serve them. And because I've been there, I've been that founder, I've been confused. And so being Mm -hmm. able to like help them found their company through strategy or action is such a delight. And yeah, I just, it's cool to kind of like see it all come like in that way. And I love it. Yeah. Let's let's touch on that the the women led women owned businesses. Um, yeah. Why the focus on that specifically? Um, and then what do you see as a difference in women led and owned business businesses? Um, you know whether it's just I guess that's an open ended question for you to kind of touch on. What's your philosophy with that? Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting, guys. I I would say I've been not necessarily like attacked, but very intensely interrogated and questioned by guys about this really recently. Yes. And they're just, they're like, well, what, like, is your talent too good for us? Like one guy said that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, are you just not interested? Or are you, do you hate men? Just all these different things. And it actually has nothing to do with that. First of all, in, in social media and digital marketing, there are a million agencies, there are a million um, softwares, there are there's so many options of what you can do. So first of all, go niche, duh. Mm-hmm. And two, I know my I know what I'm good at. Like I know my realm of genius. And that is people that think like me, buy like me, scroll and stop and like, like me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it got started in that my first, it was happenstance that my first five clients were all women. But from there, I worked with a, a guy and I think it just kind of like reinforced like, oh, wait, I don't know what's going on in his head as well as I know what all of the other five women are wanting. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just, like I said, reinforced um, the vision and, and really like showed me like, wait, this is something you're good at. And from there, um, I would never turn down a male client ever. I just, I know how to target a women like focused audience. So like if you ever have a product or a male ever has a product that does need someone who has like expertise in that area, then I'm your girl. But, um, working with women led companies often, that is the target I've found. So that's why I do that. And then um, I'm trying to think what, was there another part of the question? No, I think that that pretty much answered it. Um, awesome. you know, the curiosity was just that, you know, it, it seems like an awesome niche. I just kind of wanted to know how you fell into it. And I mean, it seems like you did kind of fall into it, but it suits you so well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. What's, uh, obviously you're using that as a heavy, you know, pitch point when you reach out to these clients, but how are they, um, you know, how receptive are they to that? Is that a big game changer for them? Yeah. I think I wish I could, I wish you could see me right now, but you know, that moment when you realize, like, I don't know when your mom's calling your name, like your full name and you're upstairs and you're like, Oh shit, what did I do? Also, sorry, I just cussed. Um, but <laughs> <Very good. laughs> you know, that moment when you're like, Oh, 
oh god and then you go downstairs and she like got you a present or something and you just kind of can like breathe and it's just like ah you know and you're like kind of out of you're out of the crap and and you're like okay wait I can trust this and like oh wait what did you get me that is literally the same reaction every time because when you're having to outsource or you're struggling with something in your business and you're a founder you're just like, that's personal and it is stressful and you know it and you're having to face it and it's humbling and it's scary. And then, you know, you're going to this person who's going to sell you on something. Right. And so like, that's stressful in itself as well. So like when people need help, I think we all forget how, like how that's not as fun of a situation as you would expect. Um, So every female founder that like is connected with me and everyone that does become my client, they have that moment. And I, and I always know if they're going to be my client, like automatically, because when they have that, like, Oh, moment where they can relax a little, then I know that I can serve them and that we are connecting really well. Um, And I think that has 100% brought me. I've actually never, I've converted, I think every person that I've talked to into a client other than three, but they're still in my sales funnel and that just takes time. Right. So it's, it's like being able to share that, like me too, like I've been there, this is really freaking hard, but I want to be there with you that completely changed the game because there are hundreds and hundreds of people, like I said, that do what I do. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I figured that would be your answer because you know, especially in tech, you know, entrepreneurship uh, is a very, you know, wide net, but especially in tech, uh, it's definitely in the past been definitely a, a kind of a bro culture. Uh, it's, you know, heavily oh, man focused. Um, and you're starting to see a lot of female, you know, founders and, and, you know, entrepreneurs within large companies. Um, like today, I just listened to a podcast by Recode um, where they had April Underwood um, on and she's a chief product of, uh, officer at at Slack, and, you know, she's mm-hmm. doing amazing things as a female uh, person in tech and entrepreneurship. And I think you're right. You know, your your hunch on the fact that you need to be female focused um, is going to you know bode well for you in the future because that's going to continue to grow. Um, that's just now starting to be brought into the light that there's um, you know problems within the entrepreneurship and tech space around women and equality. And uh, I think you're right. You know, I think that's yeah. going to work well for you. Well, thank you. And I. It's not, again, it's not based on prejudice, which I think is really important. Um, But just the way that I can serve them is so much better than how I could serve you guys, you know, Um, like just because I get I get their mind a little bit better. And it's it's really cool to see that in business because usually you just see that in friendship more so. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate it. And it's it's cool to really jump into it. So Leia Rising is the name of it, like you mentioned. Why are you going consumer facing now? And what do you have planned for that? Can you say anything? Yeah, I'll just give you the full scoop, I guess. Um, So I have worked with higher ticket clients up until now um, because you it's just hard. You can't really like manage someone's social media for a little bit right mm-hmm. like if you're gonna like do it you got to do it so everyone that I've worked with thus far has been um at a, like hitting a higher price point and I realized you know after having conversation after conversation the people that like just kind of were like wait what is this or wait what do you do in passing um they were like oh well I would love to do that I just I don't have the money, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was one day sitting there and I was like, well, Allie, like at this time last year when you were, you know, building so like furiously just like going, 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 what money did you have? You know, did you, what retainer could you have met to make this dream happen? Um, And I was like, oh God, I, I wouldn't have been able to be my own customer. So anyway, I have like really put a lot of time and thought over the last three months, four months. In how can I serve my like larger clients mm-hmm. and make sure that I am like keeping the integrity of that work and keeping everything very consistent. Um, but then on the other side of the coin, how can I have something that is scalable, consistent, and just taking like the the biggest pain points away from these female founders and like led companies 
um, at a lower price point and how, how would that look? And so um, I like really built a team around that and I have built out a lot of processes I've had, like I said, the women that have been brought to me, because I've never posted a job application. I have never, you know, nothing has ever been published about any Mm -hmm. of this. People have come to me. And so every woman that works for me has had another job and come to me and said, I want to work for you. And every single one of them actually just happened to be fit to lead a different division that really comes together to create the process that we need to make this a, like, a not a luxury item. Um, and I think a lot of girls too, like, I mean, I'm working with, you know, professional athletes. I have some, some tech, I have some just like consumer products, um, in, in my, um, portfolio now with these women, but a lot of girls just like really want to build like their influence to share what they want to say, you know, mm-hmm. or they're like, wait, well, I want to do this, but like no one listens to me, you know? And so I feel like this like rollout that I'm doing is kind of different than what I was doing before because I was bringing an audience to people that deserved an audience, but that was what I always said. And now I realize like everyone deserves an audience, but sometimes it has to come in like the form of a microphone. You don't have to put on a whole shebang. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like the whole concept of it. And it's, you know, hopefully I, there's no hopeful about it. I know it's going to be huge. So I can't wait. And it's just been fun every time when I'm in San Francisco, cause I do travel a lot for work when I'm there. I, as I like communicate it to people like in the same realm that we're in and maybe, you know, a level or two, even above or below, they're like, holy crap, when is that launching? You know? So it's, it's meeting a need and I'm really excited to, to expand it.